Hey, this is Rob. This is episode 70 of the Folly Coffee Podcast. Let's get it brewing. Right. So after a, a one-hour detour from the roaster into here, <laughs> oh uh, w- involving a, uh, a dead phone, uh, a broken charger, and me wondering, did I just lose this person forever? <laughs> <laughs> I'm with Maddie, and this is uh, really cool. So you reach out to me uh, via email, just, hey, I'm going to be taking over a shop uh, in uh, April of next year is what you're aiming for? Yep. And I was like, this might be a weird question, but like, hey, do you want to come down and taste some coffees? But would you want to record a podcast episode about it? Because you're in a unique position that you're still, uh, today is December 10th, uh, I think, or around there? 11th. 11th? Close, okay. <laughs> hey, w- within one day. It's not bad for me. Uh, so we're uh, December 11th and you're opening your shop in April. I was like, this could be kind of a cool opportunity to go like, what are all the steps at this point in the planning process to take over a shop? And then I want to do a follow-up episode after you open and we can uh, talk about all the things that are happening in that four-month span, which I'm sure there's going to be some things that are kind of uh, unpredictable. But Most definitely. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm really curious because we just met for the first mm-hmm. time today tasting coffees down at the roaster. And so I'm really curious about your background. And so uh, you're going to be taking over an existing coffee shop in April, rebranding, redoing the entire place over and so I'm curious how you get to a point there mm-hmm. uh how, like how you came to this and like your background in coffee just like all the way back from the beginning yeah so I guess total I have about three years of like coffee-ish experience like being a barista and I currently manage a coffee shop um, in northern Minnesota and so I guess it started just like needing a job in high school and then going oh hey this is actually a really cool community that you can be involved in is just like working in a coffee shop it seems so simple but there's actually a lot of connection that can be made in the community with that and I just kind of fell in love with that and decided hey I don't think I would be doing anything else with my life other than running a business that's really what I'm gravitating towards so what other business to run but a coffee shop it makes perfect sense <laughs> so that's kind of where I started and running with it now <laughs> yeah and and was this something you were seeking out when this opportunity came up to be able to take over this shop or was this something that kind of fell into your lap because I'm sure a lot of mm-hmm. people uh especially you know this is a coffee podcast so I was saying right. before we got on I assume there's some people that have that kind of thing in the back of their mm-hmm. head that like they'd love to open their own shop or roaster someday was this something you were actively seeking out that I'm going to go find a space and go find a shop and you started planning or how did this opportunity come about? So I guess like going backtracking a little bit, I stopped working in the coffee industry for a while and I was like, wow, I miss it so much. I want to be back involved in that. And I like long-term plan, I was thinking like, you know, seven years out, I want to own my own place. And so I just kind of started talking about it to people like, oh, hey, I really want to do this with my life one day. And then ended up moving back to my hometown and working at the original coffee shop I started at and kind of just still talking about it to people. And then my manager at the time was like, oh, you really want to do this? Why don't you take my place as manager and kind of learn the ins and outs of this because she didn't want to do that anymore. It wasn't her direction. And 
She was like, this is a great opportunity for you and a great opportunity for me to kind of win-win. You get experience and I get to leave. And so as I started managing and learning more about the industry, I was realizing how much more realistic it was going to be to do it in the next year, which came to six months, which came to <laughs> four months. And then I was like, okay, let's get into the logistics of what you need to do. I, my boss right now has been very helpful with mentoring me in a way of like, this is what you need to do. This is your building options. Like this is pretty much how you get started vendors that you need. And I was kind of lucky in how it did kind of fall in my lap in a way. So it started with, yeah, just kind of vocalizing it and just people gravitating, gravitating towards that like initial idea. Yeah. And that's, I urge people who have mm-hmm. like a dream or a vision like this. It's like, put it out there. Like, mm-hmm. even if you're like, I'm going to be doing this seven years, like you initially did. Mm-hmm. I think when people know what you're about or that you're like, Hey, I want to do this. When opportunities arise, you're probably going to be one of the first people uh, to think about, uh, they think about. And that sounds like what's happening here. Exactly. So this location pops up that, um, some of the details you can't go into yet exactly. for legal yeah. reasons because it's not it's not inked, and so we're going to keep some of the details mm-hmm. vague here, and we can hopefully do a follow up episode and go and through hash all the, that all out later and do all the fun stuff. Uh, but how did you find this opportunity of the space you'll be taking over, and like how quickly did that develop? So, uh, thinking back um, again, yeah, it just kind of fell in my lap very quickly. Like I became manager of this coffee shop, started getting more involved with that community. And within like the first like three months of being in this position is when it kind of fell in my lap. And it started off like a joke, like, oh, haha, you're going to buy this place for me one day, right? Like that's your plan, right? And I was like, sure. And then <laughs> and you're just like, like yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, like you're joking, but that's what's going to happen. And then one day he was kind of like, so are you serious? Like, is this a joke or are we actually doing this? And I was like, let's actually do it. And how soon? And originally we were like, oh, two years. Like, we'll wait for some legal stuff to settle down, wait for you to have some money. And then the more we talked about it, the more we found out, oh, hey, we could make this happen in five months if we really put effort into it. And so that's how that kind of happened. Mm -hmm. Just being in the community, meeting the right people, Honestly, yeah, just meeting the right people at the right place at the yeah. right time. It's kind of luck in a way. Yeah. But at the same time, you still got to put it out and show that, hey, I do actually want to do this seriously. Yeah. It's not just like a joke. Yeah. And that's like, mm-hmm. I, I feel the same way a lot of the time. It's like so much of this is just luck, mm-hmm. but it's being in a position that when that lucky moment happens right, that you're you like ready it. for it. Yeah, exactly. And you can show, oh, hey, I'm actually a hard worker. Like yeah. this is not just going to fade away. And so you referenced uh, you're going to be taking over the shop and kind of rebranding mm-hmm. and uh, kind of making it your own. So as opposed to just, hey, new ownership, business as usual, it's going to be drastic changes based exactly. on your vision. I'd love to learn more about kind of what your vision for the shop is, where like what inspired you behind your brand and what the shop's going to be like and kind of the vibe you're going for. So the vibe we're going for, we have an awesome location. It's like right by the lake where I'm from. And so we have these awesome, like huge windows that we can utilize and we want to kind of take advantage of that space. Our town is very like centered around like the lake and like our downtown is that way. And so we kind of want to capture that, but still making it modern because, you know, it's an old town and there's not a lot of new spaces. So we want to kind of just repaint fresh colors, new furniture, make it like soft and welcoming, but still like, oh, it's kind of rustic. You have the beams exposed. There's concrete floors, like there's butcher bottle countertops. So some of those like newer elements, but still mixing it with the homey feel that mm-hmm. the community really loves. 
Um, so that's kind of what we're trying to be centered around is the community in mind, but still making it clean and modern. How much do you let the existing coffee drinking population determine like your menu, your program, your feel versus creating something of your own that's a little bit more of a risk and like hoping that you find that like a new customer base potentially? So you kind of got to balance that because there's always going to be people that like have been customers, like existing customers that are going to be kind of like grumpy, you could say, (laughs) about menus changing. Like, oh, they want it to be the (laughs) The, same. People will always find an excuse to be upset (laughs) about it. (laughs) Exactly. So it's just a balance of like, hey, I think it'd be really cool if we offered some new like Red Bull drinks that are more kind of like a Minneapolis trend and brought that to northern Minnesota and hopefully... You can grab some of those new customers, but then keeping the traditional classic drinks around that people already love. So, you know, one day if they don't feel adventurous, they can go back to their like traditional mocha that they see on any other menu. But if they are feeling risky, they can try something else or walk inside and try new beans as well, Mm -hmm. like different types of coffee and bringing that to the community is really important. So Yeah, because it's an interesting situation to take over an existing shop mm-hmm. because sometimes when you start a shop from scratch uh, out of a location, you have no idea what what is the foot traffic right. going to be? How many customers are captured from that foot traffic? Like mm-hmm. what is the how much volume can I expect to go through? Some of those things are almost like the not even projections. It's literally what's happening. And exactly. so you have this unique position uh, that you kind of know what all these factors are and you can like attempt to grow on that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm curious from the coffee menu and the program now at the shop uh, that exists there today versus what you're looking to do with your coffee program. What are your kind of, uh, uh, what, what, what focus are you going to have in terms of your uh, selections of coffee drinks? And uh, is there anything like unique or different different that you're looking to do that somebody might not expect out of a traditional coffee shop? So uh, I guess the direction we're trying to take with our menu just specifically in the coffee region is making sure that we have different origins available just for black coffee too, because that's going to be a majority of our market is black coffee Mm. drinkers. Those are the people that are going to come to your shop every single day. So making sure that, oh, hey, we do have more than one different kind of coffee Mm. and you're going to know what you're drinking, what origin it is, whether it's a blend. So people get excited about that. I feel like a lot of different coffee shops don't necessarily talk about what their coffee actually is. So making sure that our customer base is knowledgeable about what they're drinking, if they want to, but then also for the people that just want some sugar, (laughs) they can have some sugar with espresso. Like diving back to having creative names as well. I feel like when I was younger and first starting to drink coffee, there was a lot of like, oh, snicker lattes, turtle lattes, like fun stuff like that. Now it's kind of changed back to this is our flavor list. This is a latte. This is what you can put in a latte. But then giving creativity back to the people so they're not so confused. Like a lot of people don't know what tastes good together. What tastes good with espresso? Does hazelnut or like pecan taste better with espresso? Mm -hmm. And giving them that option already on the menu. Like, oh, hey, we think pecan tastes really good with chocolate, which tastes really good with this type of caramel with this kind of espresso. So it kind of takes that confusion out of it just by bringing it to them. And it's interesting because when I was a barista, it was amazing to me how a lot of people really don't know what they're ordering. Exactly. It's like they hear the word latte or cappuccino. Mm-hmm. They order it once at the shop and they go, okay, I like this. I'll order this forever. But I really don't know what it is. Right. Exactly. And I've noticed that, especially in my area with coffee shops, is 
we kind of throw the fun menus out the door because they don't want to do it. And they're just like, here's just a latte and flavor. Make it yourself. But some people don't want to do that. They just want to hear something fun and order it and then go on to work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like I'm not trying to use my morning to make more decisions. I don't want more decisions to think about in the morning. So that'll be... um, that, that'll be really interesting, the, the contrast between black coffee drinkers. And it mm-hmm. actually is difficult to find shops outside of the city that have mm-hmm. multiple origins that they're serving. Exactly. Or they don't talk about what origins are in their coffee. They just kind of put a name to it like, oh, this is our morning blend. This is our afternoon blend. That's all we serve every day. Yeah. And, and th- that's that's kind of something Folly is based around is mm-hmm. like most people uh, – they don't, they're not going to nerd out on all the details like I right. like to. And so that's kind of how we approach it is like uh, the flavor profiles of our coffee mm-hmm. is what most people are going to be looking for. But mm-hmm. we want to make sure that we still have all of that information available exactly. mm-hmm. because those are the customers, the ones that like want to know everything. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that are going to run around town going like, this is the shop right here. Exactly. <laughs> and, so, and right. And this is why. <laughs> and I know that because I'm that annoying coffee friend <laughs> where somebody's like, I'm going to go to this shop. And you're like, no, 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 no. Here's the list of shops you can go to. That are good. <laughs> Yeah, so that's really cool. Do you have a name picked out and like a brand concept? So it's going to be Coffee District. Um, We're still building on the brand direction, but as I've mentioned, we really want to be community focused with our brand and making sure that we integrate what our population will like. And we're kind of a tourist town. We're kind of a college town, so we have a mix of all different ages that go through and just offering something for everybody, offer like fancy Red Bull drinks to college students while still offering regular coffee for just the people that just want their cup of joe. <laughs> yeah. How, what, so at this point, how far into it are you? Like from, from the, the, the moment you figured out this is available to where you are now, how much time has been put into this? I want to say two months. So we have like um, a business plan already laid out. We'll be signing paperwork here in the next couple of weeks um, for April. And our grand opening goal is around like April 15th is when. Um, so we have like two weeks to reno everything and re- do the rebrand and then we'll open our doors. So we want to have everything prepared so it's as easy as a transition as we can possibly make it. So right now we're in the phase of like taking all our grand dreams and ideas and pretty much just putting it to the logistics of numbers and um, what permits do you need? What insurance do you need? How is that going to fit in with how much money you have for the actual startup? And that's kind of the phase that I'm at right now is getting all of those nitty gritty details on paper. Do you have any background in this kind of work? Because it seems like you you know, like all the steps are very smooth and planned out. And (laughs) like, I mean this in the best way because I love coffee people, but generally Mm -hmm. coffee people are like, I don't know what's going on. Like, Um, Plans have really changed like a lot in the last couple weeks originally we were planning on buying the building and then we're like oh wait that's way more expensive than we had originally planned and so i'm really trying to get to the point where it's all laid out but it's definitely been a roller coaster ride um figuring out because when you look on how to start a coffee shop everybody just talks about oh here's the menus here's like what people like here's what customers like but it's not really talked about of like this is the health permits that you need. This is the yeah. three different types of insurances you need for like your employees and your building and your business. And you need how many entities and no one. All the no stuff that makes people want that. to not open a coffee <laughs> <Exactly>. shop. <laughs> so that information was so hard to find. Even on like the Minnesota 
website for business owners and getting into that, it's still very scattered. And there's still like missing pieces that I've had to find out just from other business owners. And I've been really lucky to have such like an open boss with his business right now to be like, oh, hey, you're going to need this permit. Oh, hey, you're going to need this many employees to be safe serve safe serve certified and things like that and i think without that help it would be so much more confusing yeah because sometimes it does feel like oh i don't know what's going on at all because it is hard to find that information because that's not the fun stuff like when you open a coffee shop that's like the last thing you want to think about is what kind of permits you need but you have to think about it yeah that stuff I, I had the opposite approach. It was, <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. When we were building the original roaster out in Silver Lake, mm-hmm. it was like every time I talked to somebody, you learn something new that exactly. like you need, need <laughs> this, this three compartment sink. And I was like, we don't have dishes. They're like you still need it. That, exactly. I, that, that is the type of stuff that it's so hard to find. Because mm-hmm. if you look up like business plans or whatever, you kind of find people, like you said, that it's like, mm-hmm. here's the menu you can do and the fun stuff mm-hmm. and the stuff that people want to think about in an opening mm-hmm. coffee shop and not all the nitty gritty details. Um, when you started managing the coffee shop, what was it like doing the shift from barista to manager? Because that that is such a huge advantage in opening your own place. And mm-hmm. I've, I've talked to a couple people that have gone from manager to ownership. Uh, I just had Ben on the podcast who uh, owns Fragment Coffee in Minneapolis. And it's funny because when I talk to managers that open shops, they seem much more nonchalant about it because they're like, <laughs> I mean, I've been doing this. It's yeah. like basically the same job. I, it just it happens to be my place now. Mm-hmm. What was that jump to go like from barista to manager? I guess a little difficult just in the sense of you have to make sure that as far as your employees, making sure that they're on the same team as you and it's not like, the, oh, I'm in charge now. So making that transition, I would say, was harder than actually doing the job. Because you just got to get used to it. At first, it's going to take you 10 times as long to take inventory and to, like, do all your POS stuff and do orders. It's going to take you so much longer. But a month into it, you get used to all that stuff, and it's more on focusing about your team and making sure that they're on the same page as you and they're supporting you because – if they don't support you in your transition, then your whole team just kind of falls apart. And that's, you know, customer service is your storefront. That's what your customers are seeing. And so that, I think, was the biggest transition, less on the logistics of the job itself. But it was pretty, I don't want to say easy. Like, there's a lot of hardships that go with that and making sure you're doing stuff right and dealing with money and making sure that you got your numbers right. But that stuff takes time to learn. But after you learn it, It's kind of second nature. Yeah. With hiring, are you even beginning to think about that yet? Being this far out, being what, five, five ish months Mm -hmm. out from that? Have you started to think about like hiring or uh, like how you're going to hire the type of people you're going to be looking for? Yeah. So um, it's been on my mind. I haven't started hiring. It's a little too soon. I want to make sure that people can be trained properly and have the space to be trained properly. But um, I'm going to kind of use the same training or hiring method that I do now, which is pretty chill. I don't like to necessarily grill people or have too many questions. I really just like to sit down and have a conversation with my baristas and see like, oh, is this something, is this a community you want to be involved in or do you just kind of want money? Because there is a difference and it's good to have both. Obviously, people need to pay their bills, but at the same time, you can always train somebody a little bit more on how to steam milk and how to pull a shot and how to brew coffee the correct way. But you can't make somebody like the environment. You can't make somebody like to work in a coffee shop. That's something that they have to bring to the table as far as 
being the right personality to fit and making sure that, hey, I'm okay with making conversation with 100 to 200 strangers every <laughs> single day. <laughs> so um, I'll probably start doing that closer to our um, renovation date. So then we can build that team and we'll have people who have barista experience, people that don't, because it's good to have a good balance. But we definitely want to make sure that we have people that have experience mm-hmm. in it already so they feel confident going into, you know, a rebranded place with a new menu where no one has worked there for very long. So that'll be what I'm focused on and looking for in employees when the time comes. Taking over an existing shop, do you anticipate kind of keeping the same customer base or do you think that the rebrand and menu change will potentially change who's coming through? Both. I'm hoping that we can keep some of those people that are come regularly because they are the core of that shop right now. But it would be nice, too, to get people excited about something new and be able to bring existing customers with new customers who want to try, like, different drinks that they haven't seen before or different coffee origins that they haven't seen before. So I'm anticipating a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah. In terms of your own personal preferences when it comes to coffee, what are the what are the most exciting things to you within coffee in terms of your favorite drinks or preparation methods? What are the things that get like you the most excited in, in, in the coffee world? Espresso. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Espresso gets me the most excited, whether it's just like drinking it plain. I'm like a double shot every single day kind of person. So I really like plain espresso, but also being able to cater to those people that don't like plain espresso. So I really love experimenting with different flavors and different types of milks in drinks and seeing what you can do with espresso because it can be put in so many different kinds of things. Do you know with your plan yet if you're going to offer like multiple varieties of espresso or have you thought that far ahead yet? I have in my heart wants to, but I know that most people don't care about it. So that might be something that I incorporate later. So for start, we'll start with one main core espresso. And then maybe this summer we'll do like another launch of an extended branch of different types of beans and different types of espresso for people to choose from yeah the logistics of it are mm-hmm. you, you need the additional grinder or exactly. your, or your single grinding every single shot which can right. be a bit labor intensive and then and then factor in dialing in another espresso and then depending on which type of espresso machine you have can you dial the group heads for serving different espresso so something like single origin espresso is mm-hmm. like very exciting to have but logistically it does add a lot of steps and equipment exactly. needed which is really funny when you think about like the intense work that that goes into a great shot of espresso. We were just, I was just talking to you at the roaster that like, I think espresso is like the ultimate mm-hmm. coffee like experience. It's like the roasting has to be right. perfect. The shot pole has to be perfectly extracted. And just like everything about it's like a magnifying glass on the entire process that if anything's off, it is like, it, it's heartbreaking. Like it it's, is it's, heartbreaking. <laughs> All of a sudden you have a bitter, sour little cup of coffee that you didn't want. <laughs> yeah. And I, th- I think that's, uh, it, it is something that I, I kind of, I like, I wish more shops had like single origin offerings, mm-hmm. but I also understand from the logistics side that like you're catering to like, you know, the, exactly. the customer that's me, the, mm-hmm. the one out of every hundred that's amped right. about it, but you go, that's a lot of things to have in place for that one right. customer. It's kind of, and that's where it gets tough in this balance where you go, how uh, it's like a chicken or the egg where if we introduce it, will people get interested or mm-hmm. do we have to wait until they're like demanding that we do it? And I, I, it would be interesting because you're in Northern Minnesota, like the, the coffee drink is how hard is it to find like a great cup of coffee in the area that you're from? So I would say over the last couple of years, it's been a lot easier. We went from having like, 
four coffee shops to having over 10. So yeah, there is a lot of variety. And so I'd say out of those 10, you could probably find four good cups of coffee to really good cups of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, leave, we'll leave out the bad ones. <laughs> exactly. We'll leave out the bad ones, but not that they're terrible by any means, but if you're really, really looking for that quality cup, you can tell the difference between what kind of bean they're using or if they're outsourcing it from days ago or if it's like fresh and they really went through the process of picking their coffee. With that many shops opening, um, how the, how's the reception been from the town, especially in these places that you considered like, mm-hmm. let's, let's just take these two examples. You're talking about the great cup of coffee. How has the customer like reception been to these types of places that are doing all the steps necessary to really prepare great coffee? Oh, people love it. People will most likely, or not most likely, they will go out of their way on certain days to get that great cup of coffee. And they notice that and they get more curious about it too as they see new shops come in that are spending more time picking their coffee or even roasting in-house and they want to know more about it and they get hyped about it. So I guess that's kind of their reaction to all like the good, better, best. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's always been the, an interesting thought experiment is like, sometimes I think people go, oh, we have to do like as close to Starbucks as possible. Cause mm-hmm. that's what people are used to. But mm-hmm. I'm like, but then you're competing with Starbucks and like, right. they're a beast. <laughs> and so <laughs> they're, a beast. they're never going down. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And so to try to do anything similar mm-hmm. to them is to me, is like, like good luck if that's the kind of the style you're going for. And so I love, like, I love when shops like yours uh, approach us. Cause I'm like, yes, this is like, we can do it in a way and like roast these coffees. Like we tasted our dark roast mm-hmm. today where you're like, yes, technically it's a dark roast, but the way we do it, it holds up on its own. It's just, right. it's like, Finding a great coffee shop in a new area is such an exciting thing. Mm-hmm. And especially, uh, I, I assume like cabin traffic's probably pretty big up north. And mm-hmm. uh, obviously being a college town that like becoming a place to get people to go out of their way for a great right. cup of coffee. Like once you have a great cup, it's so hard to go back. Exactly. Because it always lingers in the back of your mind. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's almost like most people have never had Mm-hmm. A great cup of coffee. And mm-hmm. th- we would do samplings in grocery stores when that was allowed. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny that, like, you like the, the house bean we were tasting today, like these mm-hmm. big red berry notes. You say that, and people are like, I'm not going to taste that. And then they go, Oh, I actually taste that in this coffee. Right. And it's those light bulb experiences. With a being that you're, it sounds like you're going to be focusing on, like, obviously higher quality coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of like, do you, do you think about the potential like education opportunities or like being able to get customers educated on what they're drinking? How do you plan on like communicating that best to the customer in terms of like you, you said, you're very excited about like uh, expressing origins of the mm-hmm. coffee, roast profiles, like the, what is in your cup? How do you plan on kind of interacting with customers to be able to educate them on that? It starts with first training your barista so they know. So when they get asked questions, it's not like, a, oh, let me go ask my manager. <laughs> <laughs> Which is usually the case. Exactly. So making sure that your barista is trained on what they're serving, but then put something on your menu that's like, hey, ask us what you're drinking today. And then most people will. It's surprising to see how many people will ask like, oh, what are you roasting? Why are you roasting this? So just making sure that you have well-trained staff so they can answer those questions when they come up, I think is the core of it. I like that approach of asking the customer to, or like you almost give the customer permission. Mm-hmm. That's like, we don't find this annoying. Cause that's always my biggest thing is like, I obviously will ask every question I can if you give me the opportunity, mm-hmm. but you go into some shops and you're like, ah, I don't know if 
I don't want to waste their time. You know, they've right. seen, like you said, they've talked to 100 to 200 strangers today. I'm sure <laughs> they don't want to talk about this. Mm-hmm. But even just having something out there, like, ask us what you're drinking today is an awesome way mm-hmm. of, like, here's permission that, hey, we right. want to talk to you about this. And it also lets them know that, hey, we will actually have an answer for <laughs> right, you. Right, exactly. <laughs> that's something I run into a lot where people are like, uh, I think it might be a light roast. And you're like, okay. That's... You're like, sure. <laughs> I guess we'll find out together. <laughs> Do you have any like personal favorite styles of coffee or origins that you gravitate towards? Mm, I really want to try Kona coffee. That's something <laughs> that I'm like gravitating towards. But I really love South American single origins. Um, I'm a French press kind of person when it comes to specific types of coffee. Mm. But, you know, sometimes life is really busy and I just pop in a Keurig pot <laughs> and got to go through my day. But black coffee is usually where I go and, and adding cream sugar to it. So that would be my favorite style. Yeah. South America is an interesting region for coffee because like Colombia is mm-hmm. Jeff's. If you were to ask Jeff, our head roaster, like if you could only drink coffee from one country, which would it be? And he says Colombia. And yeah. he's like, why? It's like, because so many different styles of coffee come out of Colombia and the surrounding regions that you can find coffees like we had today from uh, from uh, Colombia or from Brazil that's nutty, chocolatey. But then you find these other coffees grown at high altitudes that have these bright acidity. Com- like we're, we're just sourcing one from the Nariño region. It's like mm-hmm. you wouldn't even know this is the same country. Um, and so South America is like an extremely compelling coffee growing region in terms of the the range of flavor profiles. And that's that's another thing that I've found in educating customers is they want really simple answers that like, right. oh, this is Colombian coffee. So it tastes like this. And it, it's like a rabbit hole of like, right. where do you kind of draw the line of like, this is how much we can tell them. Uh, do, do you find shops in the area doing that uh, in terms of... Uh, expressing what the origin is, educating customers, or is that something that you're looking to kind of introduce to the community? So there definitely are coffee shops that already do that. And I think that's why is because the community has shown such an interest in that. So we're not necessarily introducing it to them. We're just kind of making sure that we are also educated on what we're serving to people as well. And when you relaunch, do you have like a marketing effort lined up of how you're going to get the word out? Because that, that's another mm-hmm. thing that's it's intriguing taking over an existing shop. Because mm-hmm. in theory, you could kind of not have to do that because you're right. like, w- people already know there's a coffee shop here. Mm-hmm. We already have the foot traffic. We know how many people are coming through. So how much of your focus is towards getting the word out that you're now open? So social media is a huge thing. And also like structuring it so customers that are coming in already know oh hey this place is closing down and there's a new place coming in so just sharing that with existing customers and then doing a transition on social media where it's like hey this is our rebrand that we're doing this is our goal for that and word of mouth and social media together i think will be a really great way to spread the word what's it like in your town uh in april being kind of a college uh college town uh, kind of a summer destination. What's it like opening in April? Do you find, do you think that's like a, a good time to open or is it kind of just when it happened? So we kind of did it in that way. So it would be January and February is dead, dead, dead. That's smart. <laughs> <For Yeah>. Everybody. <laughs> and so we want to do it in a way where um, it wouldn't be the middle of summer. So staff wouldn't be overwhelmed because business just goes crazy in my town in the summer. So we wanted to have that like middle spring season. So it was planned that way. Um, intentionally so it would be a good time to close because you're not losing so much business Mm. and a good time to reopen because there's going to be medium traffic where 
baristas will get to be comfortable serving to actual customers, but then it'll pick up and hopefully be able to support itself through the entire year and we'll be able to save money for those winter months if we're not doing as well as we thought. So it'll, it was strategically planned yeah. that way. Was, it's, it feels like a good mm-hmm. month because opening in January, you'd be like, uh, uh, this was the worst idea ever. Guys, it's it's just here. like, it's just Please how come. everything <laughs> yeah. goes. Yeah. But I, I was telling <laughs> Jeff, that was like, I mean, January, we might as well not even be open. Like mm-hmm. we might as well not even roast because things just drop off so dramatically. Um, I suppose because you've managed shops, a lot of the difficulties that people run into in terms of staff management and like scheduling and all Mm -hmm. that, uh, has your experience managing just made you comfortable with those aspects of running and owning a shop? Yeah, that's the most comfortable part of this whole thing (laughs) that I am with just because I am familiar with it. And with baristas, they're always coming and going and just I'm so happy I know how to balance that. Um, knowing that, hey, baristas aren't going to want to stick around for decades. You know, sometimes you're just a stepping stone for their next path. And so I'm so happy that I know how to manage those schedules because it's going to be the easiest part. I feel like sometimes when people start from the, start from scratch and don't have a lot of experience, it's hard to balance. Oh, I have to focus on the money and the profit and make sure that we can like pay rent and buy inventory. But then, oh, hey, I have this barista that all of a sudden wants a month off and I've never had to deal with somebody just dropping off like that. So it'll be nice to just focus on helping the business grow while feeling really comfortable with, oh, hey, I know how to manage staff already. Yeah, because that that is the part that I think a lot of people underestimate Mm -hmm. the amount of time and focus. I mean, we were just doing weekend Mm -hmm. tasting and tours and we have a team of like five people, Mm -hmm. one shift a week. And I'm still (laughs) like, I am so bad at this. Like, I feel so bad for our, our team sometimes that they have to deal with me scheduling because I just <laughs> I forget like every third thing I say. So, uh, you being super comfortable with hiring is such like a good foundation for owning and running a shop because mm-hmm. I, I think like we we're alluding to earlier that uh, like the attractive aspects of running a right. shop of like, oh, look at us preparing drinks. <laughs> like, look at this cool picture mm-hmm. versus like, nah, those are cool, but it's really like scheduling and st- like mm-hmm. how having a good team and educated team sounds like things you're all going to be focusing Mm -hmm. on, which is really exciting. There's like an educated team, uh, especially when it comes to coffee. Obviously I'm very biased, Mm -hmm. but it's like such a nice extra layer to know Mm -hmm. that you're getting coffee from people who really know what they're serving, Mm -hmm. which is like a really nice touch. So you mentioned you're going to uh, take over the existing social media of the shop uh, that exists Mm now. Uh, Not quite. So we're going to kind of structure it so they will be kind of leading their followers and their customer base base to a new page. Okay. Um, So we can kind of try to move it over. I mean, some people will like that. Some people won't. Uh, That's just how I've accepted. That's how Mm. it's going to be. So we will be starting our own social media and marketing that way. Outside of the coffee menu, what kind of things are you going to be offering? So we'll have like pastries, we'll have like paninis, we want to have wraps, um, we want to get into kind of donuts in the summer, we'd want to do ice cream. So outside of that, outside of coffee, uh, we're going to try to also be kind of like a one-stop shop or hey, if you're on your lunch break, you can get coffee and you can get food so you don't have to go to multiple places. Yeah, that's so key. It's like mm-hmm. having a good, like solid food program. Mm-hmm. And how are you going to kind of keep the 
your choices of like what type of paninis and how, mm-hmm. I, I just get fascinated by like you go into a lot of shops and they seem to have a very similar menu and my brain goes like who like who came who, who came up with that I like <laughs> who came up with this menu first do you know mm-hmm. what I mean so where do you pull your ideas from of this is what we should be serving at this time of the year going through just like what vendors have available to us and then what our community has shown that they like as well as like like my existing team right now they love to create their own things and kind of bouncing ideas even off of them to see hey if you were going to go to a different coffee shop what would you like and what would you order because sure i could create the whole menu by myself but i'm biased and what i like and so trying to just ask people and bounce ideas off of people like would you try apples on a ham panini is that something that you would like and kind of going from there so a mixture of hey this is what i like this is what this person likes let's marry it together let's have five different options for paninis let's have four different options for wraps also having like veggie options for people because we want to make sure that there's something for everybody so that yeah that's where the ideas come from um also just researching to what other coffee shops Mm -hmm. have available and kind of seeing oh this is their most popular thing we don't want to copy them but how do we incorporate those core favorites that people do like into our menu but making it new and like pricing and like on like the financial side how has that been to take on because my experience in business ownership (laughs) is like everything is always way more expensive than I project oh yeah yeah. (laughs) and so I started projecting everything is like way more than and still is way way, and Mm -hmm. on the financial side and like the way you're pricing things out where did you pull from like was it your management experience or did you have to kind of go out and find resources to be able to figure out how everything works in terms of what should I be paying for uh, mm-hmm. for rent, for the shop, for these pieces of equipment, all these different variables involved? How, how much of that did you plan ahead for and how much of it has been like, oh, things keep coming up? Things do keep coming <laughs> up. <laughs> You're definitely right. You just, oh, when it comes to financing, there's always something that's going to pop up. You might think that, oh, bread isn't that expensive, but then you go, oh, hey, panini bread actually is 10 times as more expensive <laughs> as I thought. So um, first, I kind of went about it by creating our menu, like a skeleton and being like, this is what I would like to serve. And then looking at different vendor prices and going, oh, this is what Cisco has. This is what US Foods has. This is what um, some other smaller um, local vendors have to offer and then comparing those prices and literally breaking it down per serving and going oh hey this is what we're paying for this this is what we want to make this much margin so marking it up like that but also going okay if I were a customer like separate myself from this business for a minute would I pay this much for this product and so I guess a little bit of using my management experience, but also just kind of winging it (laughs) um, to try and figure out what prices would be best and making sure that I'm not overpaying for something. As far as like rent and building goes, um, just comparing what other businesses can like pay for in our area is the only way that I kind of saw, oh, this is a good price to pay for this location. But outside of that, it's kind of hard to research stuff like that because everyone's in a different market. So you could be looking at, oh, this coffee shop in California is paying 10 times as me, but obviously their market is different. So just looking on like Zillow and seeing what other people are paying and looking at what I should be paying. And as you're getting connected with like distributors, um, are you already connected with them because of your work and like you're managing a shop Mm -hmm. and so you already have these relationships or how did you go about approaching them about even finding out their pricing? 
So a little bit of my management experience has helped me, but at some point, like the owner does a lot of that too. So he has built the core vendor relationships and I just kind of help him as far as like putting in the order. So there's not a ton of communication Mm -hmm. uh, with my current job. So just reaching out to people and just asking questions is the best way that I've found to build those relationships and be like, oh, hey, this is my plan. This is what I'm trying to achieve can we make, do a win-win where, hey, you get a new customer and I get an awesome vendor? Yeah. And but, j- I mean, just the way you communicated it, like, it was super buttoned up. Because like, we'll get, like, <laughs> we'll get random inquiries of, like, hey, I'm mm-hmm. thinking about opening a shop. Like, can you tell me everything? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> like, well, I just, you know, I was thinking about it. And you're mm-hmm. like, how? And you're like, you, you want to support someone thinking about it. But, mm-hmm. like, when you approached uh, with that email, it was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is, like, things are buttoned up and this Mm -hmm. is moving already, which is exciting to see. And as you're talking, it's like the organization seems to be pretty thorough. And when you're reaching out to these distributors, are they cool with you just being like, Hey, I'm going to be taking over a shop. I need pricing or or, most of the time. Yeah. People are pretty chill with just giving you information and making sure that they're there to help you along the way. And I haven't run into an issue with that yet. I'm sure that I will just because the more people you communicate, the more people will be like, hey, we want you to be more serious about this before we give you pricing information. But so far, everyone has been super supportive of that. Yeah, yeah. I think the fact that you have a location, you have a timeline where the two things to me, that I was like, oh, this is like, mm-hmm, this let's, is let's get you down here. Let's taste some coffee. Like <laughs> let, this thing is moving. And it's funny because April sounds really far away, but it's going to be like that. Oh, yeah. And so to be able to have like these details in terms of vendors, especially, it's, I, I, feel, I feel like a lot of people probably just go, we're going to have this on the menu. It's going to be this price without going through all those details, which it's so, like just keeping margin is so important mm-hmm. and like making sure that that's back in the entire menu is it's a recurring theme in our conversation here. That's like it's not the fun stuff that, that everybody it has to be done. <laughs> yeah, but it's like the stuff that has to be done to keep the wheels moving. I'm glad I sound organized. No, I it sounds. Like, I feel like no, super buttoned up about it. Like I'm, I'm. It's like all these details. It's it's. It, I I get like a combination of excitement and nervousness mm-hmm. when I hear of someone like yourself opening yeah. their own shop or starting their own business because I've been through it mm-hmm. and I continue to go through it where it's like. I mean, this is a flaw of mine that I tend to kind of start something and then figure out how it works. <laughs> I kind of did that yeah. in a way because like when you're starting just talking about it, it is kind of just like in that dream state of like, oh, I want this. And then when someone brings you an opportunity or when you work for that opportunity, you have that kind of moment where you're like, oh, this is happening. Like I actually have to get organized. I actually have to figure out all this nitty gritty stuff else. It's just going to fall apart in front of me. So it's definitely been uh, up and down of trying to figure out everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's it feel like now? Does it feel real yet? Or like, how does it feel being four or five months out from the full transition into the new brand? Which also I want to come back to the name Coffee District, which is badass. How, how you came up with that? <laughs> um, sometimes it feels real. <laughs> like sometimes I'll be like, oh, wow, it's four months. And then other times I'm like, oh yeah, this is just what I'm doing. Like no big deal. And then I go f- from that to, oh wow, this is a really big deal. <laughs> I better figure out uh, more logistics and actually start testing some of these things out and talking to more people and getting more things signed. And then I'll go back to, oh, this is kind of fun. This is nice. Nice little <laughs> dream I'm having. <laughs> I'm very, it'll, it'll be interesting. I, I hope we can line up another episode mm-hmm. after you open. It'll be fun to go back and kind of talk four months out. What didn't you expect? What's happening up mm-hmm. to this point? Are there any like major unexpected things that have occurred as you're planning and, and getting the plans in place to open up? So I mentioned before we were planning on buying the building 
And I think that was the biggest change was we went from buy, buying the building and preparing for that and literally almost signing that paperwork to going, oh, we really do not have enough startup funds for this, um, to backing out of that and being able to work with the owner on, oh, hey, we can rent the building and we will possibly own the building later. And so that was the biggest shift of just realizing, oh, hey, we're going to have to change direction kind of on how we're doing this. So instead of talking to banks about mortgages and things like that, now we're just trying to structure like startup funds. So that was the biggest shift and that just recently happened. It was literally we were going to sign paper the next day and we were kind of running the numbers over and over again and realizing how it just wouldn't be a smart idea. Hmm. And so that had been the biggest change that we'd seen as far as like business planning goes. Sometimes it's so hard to make those decisions because mm-hmm. so much work has gone into it that you kind of want to exactly. just, you kind of want to just go, but we've done right. so much work. We might as well just do it. Even if it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It's like the theory of sunken costs that like <laughs> a lot of people will do something just because they've spent so much time on it. Mm-hmm. So it's super smart to like, if it doesn't make sense, even if it's like so close and so much work has been put into it to back out if it's the right move. And mm-hmm. sometimes those are way harder to make, even if it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to have you back uh, after after opening. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully we can work together, all that good stuff. But yes. uh, I really appreciate you coming in. Yeah. It was a fun uh, one hour uh, detour in between the roaster <laughs> oh and here with us. Uh, <laughs> so the backstory on that is uh, phone, your phone's at 1%. Uh-huh. This, this is for the, the listeners at this point, but phone's mm-hmm. at 1%. And you're like, my phone's going to die, but I'll just follow you. <laughs> And then I lost you because I thought you were a different car. And then an hour later, you found a new charging cord mm-hmm. and called and, and all is well in the world. Exactly. <laughs> you know, just 20 miles out of the way, having to find a gas station. You get to watch that 4.30 p.m. sunset in Minneapolis, which is not where the studio is. <laughs> exactly. Right right on the edge of rush hour traffic. I'm so happy I missed that. <laughs> yeah. But I really appreciate you coming down. Yeah, thank uh, you for having me. I'm glad you got to come by, check mm-hmm. out the space, taste some coffee, being on the podcast. And uh, I'm excited to see where things go yeah uh, we'll, we'll check back in four hopefully four or five months we'll see how that feels mm-hmm. i feel like it's going to go fast but also i feel like i've made a lot of predictions about this year none of them have been right well right <laughs> <laughs> same as everybody else though exactly i will end it like i do every other episode and say have a nice day